What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 267 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for, uh, what, Saturday, May 20th, 2023, 7.43 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I don't know why I give you the time. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm here with my co-host, Mike. When, when it gets to episode number 267, it's like the, the numbers don't even matter anymore at that point. Yeah. It's just so random yeah. and so uh-huh. just high up there. It's not, it's past 250. The, uh-huh. the next real landmark is like episode 300. Five, oh, five, I'd say 500, 300 maybe. But like, yeah, I don't think we have enough for 500. Episodes. You know, we keep saying we keep saying that, but we keep uncovering uh, these these yeah, mysteries. I mean, it would have we'd have to like be digging into the unsolved mysteries podcast cases, talk about you know other cases from other shows. Uh, you know, we I think we'd run out of of gems by then. We could do a podcast on uh, about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> where we where we where we where we break down this podcast and if like as if we're outside observers. Um but yeah, speaking of podcasts, who would have thought, Josh, that our podcast would wind up lasting longer than the official Unsolved Mysteries podcast? Well, you know, I guess the difference between them and us is we don't care if we don't have any listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that that was a thing that they cared about. I don't know why they uh stopped doing it but uh i would imagine that it was uh, for lack of interest yeah it's all it's all about if you're like a a, a bigger entity or whatever and mm-hmm. and you start releasing podcasts you're looking for an extra ad i revenue. don't think it probably costs them that much to do it though so it's probably just a little bit of an extra revenue regardless of the fact that they might not have gotten crazy high uh plays well i'm saying like um, like the the advertisers are gonna want to mm-hmm. see because i've had to deal with advertisers for this podcast so yeah um just as a side note on i'm on their website right now and it says the podcast is back new episodes every wednesday oh, so, so i don't know well if they well maybe maybe that's just an old ad because could yeah th- they're not the best at updating their website honestly so uh yeah this pot could could bend but old. You know, it, it, it's one of those things where you know I, I respect their decision and whatever. Well, I think like they, I was just saying they before, joined the fray too late. Yeah, way uh, too late. Um, they're they're trying to coast off of the new you know series on that came to Netflix or whatever, but it's really not that new anymore. It's like no. first came out like what three four years no, ago. No, but I mean, what I mean by that is they started way too late in terms of there been already been like a ton of other like popular true crime. Oh podcasts. yeah, dude, I've been listening to fucking Dateline NBC's podcast, and they literally just like take the episode, the audio from uh, the episodes, and they make yeah. a podcast out of them. And they're, fu- they're fucking amazing. Like I've, they're like little mini documentaries that like i haven't even i i i haven't bought an audiobook in weeks now cuz uh-huh. i'm just listening to this fucking dateline nbc podcast and uh i got to say man they they got some great uh like hosts and and narrators yeah. on there uh like keith morrison obviously is my favorite but like josh makowitz and uh dennis uh fucking whatever his name is yeah. and uh now, now josh is just uh uh Fangasming, fangasming over uh, the 
the Dateline NBC I'm to, podcast. I'm, I'm, again. I'm definitely trying to show my <laughs> my street cred here with the date with the NBC people. But no, going back to the advertiser thing, when, when there was a chunk of time where I guess we were hot enough to where. Uh, and av- advertisers wanted to work with us. Yeah, I remember that. Back when we were associated with Himalaya, which <laughs> we're not associated with them anymore, yet their stupid little logo is on our thumbnail still, and I don't know how to get rid of it. So if anyone out there knows, let me know, because <laughs> uh, I don't want to be repping their company that doesn't even pay us anymore. Yeah. But they, they would get, like, they would broker ads for the podcasts that were under their network, and they would con- they'd email me and be like, yo... Well, they wouldn't say yo. They'd be like, hello there, Mr. Cannon. Um, you know, uh, was it Magic Mind wants to, uh, uh-huh. you know, sponsor yeah. your, you know, whatever the fuck. And um, yeah, I remember remember those days. But the thing is, is they were always asking me for like, the, you know, they really want the analytics. Like, what are your, you know, they, they, mm-hmm. they wanted demographics. They want, mm-hmm. But SoundCloud, which is who we stupidly did our RSS feed through, SoundCloud doesn't give you any of that shit. They yeah. literally just tell you the amount of plays that you get or downloads, as they call them. I don't know why. Whenever you hit play, a play button on a podcast, they consider it a download, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it tells us how many of that and like what cities they're from. It doesn't give you gender. It doesn't give you age. And that's what the ad people wanted. And, you know, so that was Sounds like, like they're operating more from like what a YouTube um, um, uh, ad r- revenue service you know, would be operating from, you know, like a partner. No, they, they would be operating from that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like that kind of data, like that, cause that was, that's like more of like a, uh, that's also something that YouTube shares in terms of like, oh, like, oh, gender, uh, and demographic and where people are watching your videos and how long they're oh, they watching give you, your videos. They give you, you know, every every little bit of, of analytics you could ever want. Yeah. They're really good about exactly. that. But um, SoundCloud doesn't give you jack shit. They're the worst place to um, you know do an RSS feed from, which is essentially well, what a podcast I mean, I'll is. I'll just say this. I think SoundCloud's RSS feed or just SoundCloud in general is better than any Karen at customer service. So... <laughs> was that a segue into uh... a little bit a little bit okay uh th- this one is particularly crazy this is probably the worst interaction i've had with a customer at work in quite a long time and it's the most ridiculous reason for why somebody would ever be upset so this happened at my other job not at michael's it happened at my other retail job and I was, it was a long day already. I came in on what was supposed to be a day off and everything went by fine until like, I think it was like less than 30 minutes before I was supposed to leave for the day. Here comes the, I, I, I get done with my guest. I look up real quick. I see what looks like uh, another guest just loitering and just hanging out in the area where the line is starting. And I just innocuously and, you know, without any malice say, hey, are you in line? That's all I said. She storms off. And then I hear her under her breath say, you need to calm down. And then I thought that was it. But apparently, because one of my managers took me aside later as I'm about ready to leave for the day and gave me a whole spiel. Apparently, that wasn't it for her. But she went all the way down to customer service. Maybe she had a return or something. 
but she took it upon herself to go out of her way to speak to a manager, chew me out, and go as far to say that if her son wasn't with her, she would have smacked me. What? Wait, so, what? What? Yes. The, so, like, what? You're, you're behind the register, and you ask her, some lady at the end of the line if yeah. she's in line? No, no. It's like she's at she's in the she's uh, loitering around like the front where the line isn't technically starting. I mean, it, at the start of the line, but there's still people in line. So I was just checking to see if she was in line or not. So I could keep the line in order so I don't have to deal with other people who are already in line, maybe getting annoyed with this other person who they might think is in line. You know, you know where you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, kind of like she's just kind of like not like Dane Cook did a bit about this a long time ago. She's not she's not committed to the line. She's kind of just floating around, you know, like, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then so you asked like, "Are you in line?" And yeah. and then she like, and she just flipped out. It was like, "How dare you ask me if I am in line? You, sir, are out of line, and you <laughs> need to calm down." I'm like, "What are you married to? To uh, uh, John Goodman's character in The Big Lebowski?" Did, would she, <laughs> like, she say? She, did she really say that? No, oh, okay. no, she didn't say that. But th- that's the attitude that she was she was bringing. Okay, you know, with the whole "you need to calm down" as she walks away, and then talking to a manager, and I'm pretty sure she did the whole like he should be fired and blah 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 and do 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 and and now I'm just never gonna ask somebody if they're in line again. I'll I'll leave that to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, you know what's weird about I mean, like it's just uh, what's insane. Weir- what's weird about like working and dealing with people during the day is like during the day you're not expecting someone to be a complete batshit insane. Like no, because you, you know typically during the day people are like sober and just trying to run their errand and, and leave mm-hmm. as quick as possible. And night with what I do as a karaoke DJ. I expect there's going to be jackasses, but yeah. it's because they're drunk or on drugs, uh-huh. and so they act a certain way that I can. They act in an asshole yeah. kind of way that I expect. But during the day, because back when I used to work at CVS behind the counter, yeah, you'd get these crazy people, and it's like, dude, it is like three p.m. in the afternoon. Uh-huh. How are yeah. you acting? How are you already this crazy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck that bitch. I mean, it was, it was insane. Like, I, I thought it was nothing. My manager initially thought it was nothing. But then apparently she, you know, chewed, chewed me out to him. And I'll, I'll be like, fine. I just won't say anything ever again. Uh, never ask somebody if they're in line or not. Uh, it, it's just a, it's just crazy to me that somebody would be upset at just somebody asking them that. Well, you know, behind well, that, the counter. none of that was about you. That lady, that lady already... That lady already had some either shit going on in her yeah, life must have been. or whatever. And and you were just like, <laughs> you just happened to be the, the, the flashpoint. I guess so. That set her off. I guess so. Because I'm just like, just say no. It's not even like, it, it's just, 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 no, I'm not in line. Sorry about that. I'm just looking at some candy. That's all you have to say. There's literally nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with asking if you're in line or not. Like, give me a fucking break. People are fucking craziness. People are fucking psychos, man. Yeah, just like the people who uh, decided to uh, kill Tupac. God damn it. I knew a tasty segue was coming. I (laughs) felt it in the fucking air. 
I stuck my finger in my mouth. I put it up to the air, and I felt, oh, there's a tasty segue coming at me, and and here here the fuck we are. You see, people, we we have gotten we have gotten better as the podcast has gone on, and it and it took like six or seven years, but we finally got to the point to where we either keep the chit chat short at the beginning, or if it runs long, I just throw it at the end of the podcast. After the the, uh, the outro mm-hmm. music and everything, so so you know what, all you one star givers, even <laughs> though you're not listening anymore because you gave us a one star, which means you're not unless you're hate listening, which some people do do that. Uh, so yeah. yeah, for all you ones out there, you, you can go fuck yourself. But yeah, uh, believe it or not, I'm walking on air. No, believe it or not, um, not only did uh, Unsolved Mysteries get hip with the kids in covering the uh, death of Kurt Cobain, but they also were getting hip with the kids by covering the death of Tupac Shakur, which almost seems like, wait, what, Tupac was on Unsolved Mysteries? You yeah, know, it's, I know. It's like two worlds clashing, the 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 program that your gram-gram watched every night, and then the, uh, the artist that uh, gram-gram's grandson was listening to are uh, at the meeting at the same place. But yes, um, the murder of Tupac Shakur. Now, of course, this could be a whole fucking book, and I'm sure there are numerous books about this. Um, but I'm just covering it from how it was on Unsolved Mysteries, um, which is code for I'm reading the Wikipedia page, uh, the, un- the <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries wiki page on Tupac Shakur. Yeah. And uh, maybe it might have some uh, some tasty deets, some tasty updates at the end. So before we, you know break down the case i want to talk about one of the one of one of the people that was interviewed for this segment the a founder of the rap coalition that yeah is interviewed, yeah I, wendy day like no offense you know i'm white so it's it's just one of those things where i was surprised that rap coalition founder was on the bottom when it comes to you know this this you know white lady who looks very, like she's a wine mom yeah talking about you know tupac it's very bookish kind of nerdy yeah you know like like maybe like semi-middle-aged white lady who's like yeah. hipping and hopping with the kids you know because i want to <laughs> i want to remain relevant um i mean you know but maybe she just was a huge fan and it seems like she knew what she was talking about so you know good for her it's just one of those things where it's kind of a surprise where you're, you're just not expecting Founder also, of the rap coalition like, to look like a substitute teacher, she kinda, you know that kind of thing. She kind of made a lot of like facial expressions too, like whenever she's like, uh, you know, when he was happy, and then she'd like her eyebrows would raise, her eyes would get big, yada yada yada. But then when he was angry, and then she'd kind of furrow her brow, and it's just mm-hmm. like that's that's interesting. I've never noticed that pattern when people talk. But yeah, um, they also had Sway on there, uh, yeah. who, who went on to become a MTV uh, like a VJ or whatever. Uh-huh. And he would do the MTV news. Uh, he he was like pretty young. Yeah. In that. Uh, and there was definitely uh, a certain novelty with having Robert Stack, you know, talk about this case as well in terms of those worlds colliding. I'm sure. I'm surprised he about. like pronounced the name right and didn't call him like Tupac, like <laughs> <laughs> legendary rapper Tupac Shakur. Was. <laughs> um. Uh-huh. Well, he wasn't legendary yet at that point. Uh, he oh, was, he was still. I mean, he had four platinum albums. Like he was, he was pretty popular. 
And he had acted in films too already. I so. actually liked his acting. I thought his acting was good. Yeah. Uh, like the movies that I've seen him in, like Juice and. Um, Gridlocked was one of the last films. I think it was the last film he did with. Um, I can picture his face, but I don't remember the actor's name. Great. Don't you love Don't you love it when that happens? That's how I am with people anytime I go out. <laughs> it's like, I see your face, but I don't know your name. Yes, I will have Tim another Tim Roth, beer. maybe? I think it might have been Tim Roth. I could be wrong. If anyone's going to know that obscure shit, Mike, it's going to be you and only you, because God knows I <laughs> can't help you on that one. He also did a movie called Gang Related uh, with uh, Jim Belushi. Whenever you said gang and made the R sound after that, I was like, where is he going with this? Where is he going with this? But then you not said, there. And you said related, so I was like, okay. No, not there. Fucking Jim Belushi. That guy. That guy is standing in his brother's shadow and always has been. Did you ever see his sitcom, Jim Belushi's sitcom? Yeah, according to Jim. Yeah, it was very mediocre. Very mediocre. But yeah, um... No, it was uh, it was pretty cool to see um, back when I first saw this to see Tupac covered on Unsolved Mysteries. Um, I I I think his um, I think he had his moments as a rapper. Uh, he was very charismatic. His kind of his personality was what sold everything. He was a, a very handsome fella too. So you know, all the ladies loved him and all the dudes wanted to be him. And so he kind of had all that going on. And I think a lot of times that like overshadows his actual like rap music which is like like i said it's pretty good he has everyone well i shouldn't say everyone knows tupac's flow but tupac had a very tupac flow and if you if you copy it it's 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 or it's like snoop snoop dog snoop dog has a certain flow a certain way he Uh, raps and if you try to copy that it's obvious um and he was one of those rappers and who had his own flow distinctive flow and all that i i didn't necessarily care for his flow um i i thought that um as i've gotten older i always thought that tupac was the you know there's always a debate biggie versus tupac and uh, i always thought that tupac was better because i just liked the sound of tupac's voice but then when mm-hmm. i actually started like listening to his lyrics, especially like um, "Who Shot You," uh, where mm-hmm. he, where he, like, just, just the, the childish and pedantic rant he goes on at the end of that song was just so like over the top and like a guy yeah. who's just literally like seething with rage at Notorious B.I.G. because he mm-hmm. feels like his his you know East Coast people had set him up and all that. Well, yeah, they even reference that in in the segment. Now, they talk about a different wait. music video where they there was like a reenactment of him after he was shot, you know, ranting at uh, you know Biggie and you know Puffy, pl- of course, played by actors. I'm sorry, uh, I need to make a correction. Biggie did "Who Shot Ya" after Tupac yeah. was shot, and then that then Tupac did the the retaliation song "Hit Him Up." That's the, yeah, hit where he up. goes there you go. over the top. But uh, yeah, so anyway, what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like I thought Tupac was an okay rapper. I think uh, there were better rappers than him at the time. Like, how do you feel about Tupac versus uh, Puffy? Oh, actually, you remind me of what I was going to say. So. Um, I've been playing Notorious B.I.G. Uh, and I, let me just say, like, as far as like from the standpoint of hosting karaoke, 
if you want to if you want to know who like won that war between Tupac versus Biggie, like Biggie all the way. Uh, mm. People with Biggie, it's not his flow that I like because, quite frankly, I can't really stand his his voice. It sounds very like just gruff and he sounds fat like you can hear the the tone of the, the fat in his vocal cords like he just sounds fat when he raps and uh but when you actually like uh and that's gonna get us a one-star review and that's fine um when you actually analyze biggie's lyrics though they're really intelligent and they're they're like a cut above tupac's lyrics mm-hmm. and i found that at karaoke at least two or three times a night at least one person will request to sing a, a, a Biggie song, Notorious mm-hmm. B.I.G. Nobody ever signs up for Tupac. Every now and then you'll get like, uh, I have uh, get around or changes, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's it's Notorious B.I.G. all the way. So, I mean, I, I think... Uh, well, I, say, I would think from a karaoke perspective, that makes sense. Because a lot of Tupac songs, uh, you know, it was one of those things where... They were more like radio play kind of thing. Like you'd listen to it and have fun with it in that regard, but not necessarily want to do a karaoke version of it. Well, you know, B- like Biggie, he's got like Big Papa and Gimme the Loot. Um, mm. But like Big Papa, like God, that's the number one. And, and that's a slower tempo song. It's easier to yeah. kind of, um, you know, to, to rap to, I guess. Uh, I sound so fucking white right now. Yeah. Well, it's easier to get down to the boogie, to the boogity <laughs> bee, if you know what I mean. Easier to jive to if you catch my drift, homie. Um, sorry, I can't help. Can't help my whiteness. Um, so, yeah, anyway, let's get into this uh, article here. <laughs> Moving right past all that. 25-year-old. T- I can't believe this motherfucker was 25 when he get when he yeah. died. I'm almost yeah. I'm almost 35. I'm almost, I'm almost 10 years older than Tupac was when he died, mm-hmm. and I haven't accomplished even like a gnat's cunt hair's worth of what he wow. accomplished. Yeah, I know that was a stretch. <laughs> okay, let's say a gnat's dick worth of. Uh... Hey man, uh, this thing's rated R for a reason. This ain't a family yeah, fucking podcast. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not editing that out. I know that's what that sigh means. You doing that <laughs> little fucking noise you always do? That means you should edit that out. I'm not gonna do it. I gotta, I gotta stand on my laurels every now and then. Rest on my laurels, whatever. Yeah, I'm just blown away by how fucking young this guy. And that's kind of the case for all rappers. You know, all rappers. Um, I mean, pretty much there's very rare cases of rappers who make it when they're past like their 20s. Like mm-hmm. you can't be like a no name rapper in your 30s and then like blow up. Kind of the same rule for any kind of like pop star or any anything like that. Um, anyway, 25 year old Tupac Shakur was a prolific rapper with four platinum albums. He was very well-liked, very intelligent, charismatic and loyal to friends. But he was also involved in dangerous gang activity. It's a shame whenever uh, these rappers will like kind of blow up and and they still feel the need to be like affiliated with gangs, you know. It's well, like- it's 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 what they're familiar with. Um, I think for a lot of these uh, these rappers or just a lot of these people, you know, in the public eye who blow up, you know, they grew up in around that. They grew up in that uh, that type of uh, environment. I think. And I think so uh, there's a doc- sense of familiarity with that that they 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 want to still connect with that happens in sports too i mean look what's going on right now with uh the basketball player john moran he's just 
continuously getting uh, um, reprimanded and uh, getting uh, sanctioned by the NBA recently because he just wants to still be a thug. To be perfectly honest, like he still wants to be a thug, brandishing a gun in live streams, doing all this other stuff. And That's crazy. He's not getting the point. And he just got suspended, I think, by the NBA now for a good chunk of games for next season because of this most recent stint of his. I To me, I think there's like three types of uh, guys when it comes to that. I think there's the guy who plays the, the character of the thug, like a Kanye West or someone mm-hmm. like that. But But like deep down, they're nothing like that. They're like... Even maybe a, like Kanye West is a fucking nerd. Like he's into he's into like comic books and video games and shit. That dude's a fucking nerd. But like he has definitely in the past like kind of portrayed himself yeah. as like hard and all that. Uh-huh. Then you have the person in the middle who is actually a thug and lived that life. And like you said, they grew up and that's all they knew. So when they get fame, they bring all their their people with them as well mm-hmm. which usually never results in in good no. things uh, like 50 cent is you know from the streets and mm-hmm. you know shot and all that shit and then you have like the third person who just never really wanted to be a part of any of that aspect of it and so as soon as they could they they kind of got out of it and yeah they it, distanced themselves from like because like, they were uh, Dr. Dre, P. Diddy, yeah. those, those two come to mind. They never really wanted a part of, of it, so they just kind of made their money as fast as they could and got the fuck out of, yeah. you know, Dodge. Or maybe they did, they were a part of it, but then they grew they grew out of it. Type yeah, thing. and saw how, like, it didn't lead in any good. Because I think good. P. Diddy was definitely a part of it. I mean... There's a lot of rumors surrounding his potential involvement and what happened to Tupac anyway. Yeah. And who's to say? Anyway, Tupac was arrested eight times in the early and mid-90s and served an eight-month jail stint for rape during that time as well. Now, how do you rape someone and only get eight months? Yeah, and and also... It shows you how charismatic and how popular his music was that for a lot of people, you know, the rape charge is something they can like, oh, you know, yeah, you never you never hear about that. No one ever push it to the side, you know, type thing when they talk about uh, Tupac. Yeah, that that never gets brought up. I mean, and there's, you know, that's like throughout, you know, music legend yes. history Led Zeppelin yes. and all the underage chicks they banged yes. and Sting banged apparently mm-hmm. it's an underage and they all deny it or whatever but uh, yeah. back then it was I think shit was a lot more fast and loose with the mm-hmm. underage shit unless you're Jerry Lewis you married your cousin who was 13 but anyway um, <laughs> great balls of fire yeah oh well, <laughs> he should have put the put those balls out in some icy water there <laughs> take take a little rest with them balls like ruined his whole fucking career uh. So anyway, in 1994, Tupac was shot five times in a recording studio, but he survived his concerned friends. That should have been like his, his sign. That should have been a sign to him. Like I should, I should take it easy. Yeah. You know, stop trying to spur or try to pick fights with other rappers, you know, from the other coast, you know, just, just, just chill, you know, type thing. 
Because, yeah, but at that point, know, though, the, the Tupac character had been born, and he, people would have yeah. called him a bitch if he had done that, yeah. or, or a pussy, yeah. or whatever. You don't, yeah, that's one thing that, that a lot of people don't realize when they're on the outside, is how difficult it can be to change when you're in that kind of position. You, lo- you lose you, everything. I mean, literally, yeah. Tupac's whole appeal is that he's this, like, street-hardened gangsta with you know, this rap career and, and, you know, mm-hmm. he's not afraid of anything. And I mean, one, I'm not going to lie. One of the more badass pictures in like mu- the music archive of history is of Tupac being wheeled after being shot, being wheeled into the ambulance in the stretcher. And he's given the middle finger to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, I, I'm not going to sit lie and sit there and say, if I was shot, don't know if I'm going to live or die as I'm getting wheeled into the ambulance. If I'm going to still have, the balls to just be like, fuck whoever did this. I'm flicking off the camera. I think I'd have yeah. like a like a look of confusion in my face. Like, I hope uh-huh. I'm not about to die right now. Yeah. Tupac's just flicking the bird to the camera. Yeah. Um, so his concerned friends worried his gang lifestyle would kill him before he reached his 25th birthday, which is something that uh, Tupac notoriously are always talked about. He always talked about how like he didn't think he was going to live and how... He was going to die prematurely, and that's why he was so prolific in the studio, and that's why they've yeah. released they've released more albums by Tupac since he's been dead yeah. than when he was alive. Yeah, and it, it's 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 crazy to me how there's a lot of people in the public eye who die young that have this same mentality that they know that they're going to die young. I mean, that happened with uh, John Belushi. You know, he knew. In his mind, like, I'm not going to make it till I'm 30. You know, that kind of thing. It's not going to happen. Well, I mean, when you're, like, yeah, overweight and doing, yeah. your, doing your weight and blow every night and fucking I know. hookers. And- I know, but he actually <laughs> did get clean at one point. And he had a relapse after the release of the film Neighbors, which bombed. It didn't do very well. And so it's it's an interesting sort of thing where there that happens to a lot of these people celebrities you know when they die young where they they just have this thought in their mind already that it's like well i'm not gonna be on the earth for that long so maybe it was the whole getting shot thing five times outside the studio that made him think that way but i but it sounds like he was thinking that way prior to even that happening yeah well i mean you know the lifestyle that you're in like with that kind of that that field mm-hmm. of like you know gang related shit i mean it's like i think most people in that world are probably not they're probably not like thinking long term like oh i'm gonna mm-hmm. have i 20 year 20 years ahead of me you know what am i gonna do you know they're yeah. probably thinking like week to week day to day you know mm-hmm. surviving on these streets uh, Tupac attended the Mike Tyson and Bruce uh, Selden boxing match on September 7th, 1996. I would have been eight. Apparently um, was the last heavyweight uh, bout that Tyson won. Oh, wow. Weird. Yeah, because he, he beat Bruce Selden in a, in, in, in a controversial TKO where a lot of people at the time were like, it, it was fixed, body body, you know, hmm. uh, so he could face Evander Holyfield. And then he faced Holyfield, and he was actually favored in that fight, but he got his butt kicked by Holyfield and lost the title. And then he had a rematch with Holyfield and then lost that. I think that's the infamous one where he bit his ear. Yeah. And then he fought Lennox Lewis and lost that, and then that was it. He never really ever won a a heavyweight title bout 
or even fought in a heavyweight title bout again. Now, I think he did. I think he might have won maybe some other heavyweight fights after that, but not not a not a heavyweight title. But if you're thinking about fucking with Mike Tyson uh, nowadays, just watch what ha- what he did to that one dummy in the uh, airplane. Go look it up. <laughs> yeah. He un- he showed that he still had it. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyway, they they're at this boxing match at the MGM Grand in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Tupac attended the match with Marion Shug Knight, um, another infamous character in in the West Coast rap game, and uh, also in the. Uh the controversy surrounding Tupac's death. Yeah, he's one of the suspects. Uh, Suge Knight was the CEO of Tupac's recording studio, Death Row Records. Um, the pair were accompanied by unarmed, unarmed, I went from Massachusetts all of a sudden, <laughs> by unarmed bodyguards uh, as they left the match. Okay, and headed, Robert Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. They, he was accompanied by unarmed bodyguards as they left the match and headed to Suge's nearby nightclub uh, in his black BMW. The reenactment here, like, it seems like some of it might have been some stock footage from the news. They used that like, same stock footage clip twice, I noticed. Yeah. Uh, like, they used with, with the uh, the p- police tape around the yeah. police car. Like they, I noticed as an editor, I, I was like, oh, they used that same stock And then clip. they did some, some reenactments, but they were, like, shaky cam versions where you barely see anything, or it's, like, a POV. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I'm glad yeah. they didn't like try to cast someone as Tupac yeah. like they did with yeah. Elvis because mm-hmm. uh, that that was one thing that was like kind of brought me out of the Elvis segment was like the actor like who's supposed to be Elvis and mm-hmm. thankfully they didn't give him like hardly any dialogue but yeah yeah they kind of just shot him from the back of his head his ball his shaved head or whatever so you couldn't really see like you know that it yeah whether it did or didn't look like Tupac. Uh-huh. I this dude used to come out to my karaoke gig who looked exactly like a younger Tupac and I, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to tell him but as a black man I don't know if like that would have been appropriate yeah. for me to say like as a white <laughs> okay. guy oh you look like Tupac <laughs> like you know yeah then what because I'm black you yeah, know that kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. I was like let me just like keep but it's like man I know people have told this guy that he looks like Tupac. I know it there's yeah. no way he's never heard that but I just yeah. kept it to myself so um, they're in his BMW at 11 p.m. They stopped at an intersection and talked to two identified women. A white Cadillac pulled up alongside Knight's BMW, and a passenger in the backseat of the Cadillac shot Tupac several times with a 40 SNW Glock 22, 40 caliber, I guess, point fours. I, n- I don't know fuck about guns. <laughs> uh, Knight was struck in the head but not seriously injured. He then, Suge Knight, then drove to a nearby casino to get help as Tupac remained uh, bloodied and injured next to Because, you know, when someone gets shot, the first place you want to take them is to go gamble. Um, Tupac died six days later from gunshot, four gunshot wounds, two to the chest, one to the arm. Well, I mean, I guess he drove to the nearby casino because that was the closest thing. The hospital wasn't cl- wasn't as close as a nearby casino because it was in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe he didn't know where the hospital was i don't know this i got to remind myself that this was before fucking everyone had an iphone in their pocket yeah with like a map to go anywhere Uh so despite thousands of witnesses only one individual only one individual came forward out of thousands of witnesses one individual came forward when you when you read up on this case you can understand why 
you're like, there's a lot of powerful people involved with this. There's a lot of people with a lot of clout, a lot of pull, a lot of financial backing, a lot of uh, gun power, you know, you know, in terms of, you know, firepower. I, I don't, so, I don't, I don't want to mess with that. I'll shut up. <laughs> so the one guy that came forward was one of Tupac's backup singers, Yafu, Yafua Fula, also known as Yaki Gaddafi. Okay. Uh, Fula initially stated that he could identify the gunman in a photo lineup, but police sent him home after they interviewed him for a short time. One week later, he returned to his home in New Jersey. Two months later, Fula was shot to death in a stairwell of a housing project. Mm -hmm. Many believed this was an effort to silence him forever. Because he was like, yeah, I can absolutely pick these people out out of a photo lineup. And they're like, no, you won't. Yep, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and let me just like say is, is Tupac like not paying his backup singers that well because uh, why is he in the projects still was he at the projects to score some drugs or did he live there it doesn't it didn't specify as I take a sip of my monster and a toke of my vape <laughs> sorry this probably as you show your privilege <laughs> uh, well, that's, I wasn't going to go that place with it, but I guess you could. Uh, I'm guess, just fucking around. <laughs> I guess you could deduce that, make that de- deduction. That's because they don't live in housing projects. Extrapolate. And, that's the word know. I was looking for. I guess you could extrapolate privilege from vaping and <laughs> drinking a monster. Um, in February 1997, two members of Tupac's entourage came forward claiming that they had told police from the beginning that they had a clear view of the shooter. They claim that the police never asked them to view a photo lineup. Investigators, however, claim that the witnesses initially denied seeing the shooter. Although several theories surround Tupac's death, the uh, his killer has remained unknown. Yeah, they mentioned in the in the segment that it's pretty wild that there were so many people that could have witnessed something. Even the women that they were talking to, yeah. like who were next to them to their left. In the car or whatever, like, they didn't, it's like, I, I mean, I don't know. The bodyguard didn't say nothing? The bodyguard said nothing? That's really telling. That 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 really makes me think it was a setup. And earlier, all of his entourage was armed, but at that the time of the shooting, the bodyguard was, bo- the, God, there it goes again, the bodyguard. <laughs> that was always a hard word for me to say when I was a kid, was God, yeah. like, guard. I'd always, uh-huh. like, I'd go, you, already, uh, you always said it, God? I, I it took a, a, a lot of uh, effort. It's like my body or my brain was pushing me to the northern. <laughs> so my mom had that accent when she was young because she was she's from Massachusetts. Oh, OK. My dad's from the south, obviously. Okay. And um, it's like Do my brain have- was like in a tug of war of which <laughs> accent I was going to get, I guess. So but no, his bodyguard uh, was unarmed at the time of Tupac shooting, yeah. which is curious. Um, that is. As far as the suspects, three hours before the shooting, a security camera at the MGM Grand caught Tupac, uh, Tupac, if I'm in my northern language there, and his entourage, <laughs> they uh, beat up an alleged member of the Southside Crips street gang, 22-year-old Orlando Anderson. The attack was in re- retaliation for Anderson's assault of a member of Death Row Records that occurred several months earlier. Some believe now, that the shooting Anderson was... Anderson apparently died in an unrelated gang shootout at the age of 23. So yeah, he died that's, pretty that's soon. That's like the that's you know after pretty typical of like that the shit that that you got coming to you if you're in a gang or and, and, and you know I'm not even trying to make this like a 
you know, like, oh, only, like, black people are in gangs. There's, like, a fucking biker gang that comes yeah. to my, uh, no. that comes to one of my gigs, and, and th- those... I watched an episode of Gangland, and it was about a white... Well, the first episode, I think, was about a, a white gang, like, a, a notorious white gang that started Well, I'm just, like, giving, like, like, you know, personal, like, uh, like, personal testimony as to, like, what I've seen from, like, yeah. this, this crew of people. Like, they're, they're, they're you know, there's no good that comes from it. Now they've kind of calmed, except, except for some that might get out of it somehow, and then come, you know, have have a moment where they realize the error of their ways and rehabilitate themselves, and then become someone that can help others who are in the same situation feel comfortable with rehabil- rehabilitating their lives. So that there's a positive there, but. But even yeah, even the I shit mean, like uh, you know you fuck with one of us mean. you fuck with all of us or whatever it's like mm-hmm. all that shit is is bullshit you know it's stupid it's it's well yeah Anderson died over disagreement over drug money that yeah was it. I mean it's literally like you know maybe you didn't grow up with a family or a sense of family maybe you didn't grow up with a dad or something like that and being in a, a biker gang or a, just a gang in general gives you a sense of like family yeah. or sometimes you, they're forced to do it. Like there are some uh, some instances in Mexico, you know, involving the cartels where you don't join the gang or you don't let your kid join this gang. Well, well, then we're going to kill you and your kid and and put you in a barrel. So I've never heard of that. But what 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 option do you have? It's it's either the grave or the gang. Well, Mexico is a to me seems like a pretty rough and tumble place, or at least it well, is by the border. Well, I mean that there's also certain parts of the United States that are like that too. Uh, by the way, folks, I highly recommend the show Gangland if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, it was a History Channel show. I don't even think you can stream it anymore, which sucks. Um, yeah, it's like the, know, the Nazis Evolution of Evil show that was on History Channel. I don't like, even understand why you can't stream Gangland. Is it because of like the controversy of the show? Because they think, oh, maybe it's glamorizing gangs or whatever. I Some politically correct bullshit. But if you can find uh, episodes, some of them are on YouTube. It, it it's a really good show. Like it's engrossing. You got people who were a part of the gang interview talking about, you know, the gang's uh, tactics and the rules, and they talk about historical gangs, you know, and how they started and how they wound up getting busted and broken up, and yeah, it's just really interesting, brutal stuff. Though, I mean, there's some crazy shit that they that police are talking about when or. or former gang members talking about some of the stuff that the gangs did. Like there's this one gang in Harlem where they, they would do this thing where they would like intimidate people and they would hold them over the edge of a building and then they would shit themselves and then they would make them eat their own shit. What the fuck? I don't want to hear about that. I know. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't even want that retold to me. I know. It's fucking insane. Craziness. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, you got that Orlando guy. Others believe that the shooting was connected to a heated rivalry between uh, Tupac and East Coast rapper Sean Puffy Combs. Tupac blamed Puffy and Biggie Smalls for the 1994 attack that nearly killed him. He mentioned this rivalry, rivalry during a music video that was released a few months prior to his death. Um, and Unsolved Mysteries actually sprung for the uh, the the rights to actually yeah. show. I was surprised because at the at the intro of the segment, it looked like a reenactment of a Tupac concert. Pretty mm-hmm. sure it was. Um, 
and and the music was just this generic hip hop music and I'm like oh yeah they're not gonna pay they're not gonna pay for the rights to like air that song and all that because that's mm-hmm. probably really expensive but then by the end of the segment they I think they showed like two of his videos and a clip of his song or whatever so it's like oh okay they dropped some money on this one because uh, b- being in YouTube as long as I have I know that if you use more than like six seconds of a song or video then <laughs> yeah. your your shit gets well, demonetized this, this, this aired in 1997 so this was this is when unsolved is still on a network uh yeah they when it comes budget. to uh, uh the you know where it was airing from so it wasn't one of those things where it was lifetime and their budget so yeah um so, still others theorize that Tupac's murder was an inside job perpetuated by someone in his entourage. His theory is bolstered, or this theory is bolstered by the fact that the gunman apparently knew where Tupac would be and only targeted him. Uh, still think that it's so dangerous to shoot inside a car at someone and, and mm-hmm. only target him and, and have it not. I mean, that that would be so dangerous that you would, might hit Suge Knight, you know. Yeah. And, and, and they did. that grazed his head. So, I mean, I, I don't know about that theory. Uh, it also bolst- is also bolstered by the fact that none of his bodyguards were armed at the time of the shooting, even yeah. though they were armed earlier that evening, which is what I already said. Um, to- it still remains unsolved to this day. Uh, the Yafwe Fula's murder was later solved and determined to be unrelated to Tupac's case. Tupac's case has also been rumored to be linked to the murder of Biggie Smalls, but as of yet, no evidence to actually tie the murders together has been found. Orlando Anderson, the gang member, was beaten up by Tupac and his mm-hmm. friends on the night of the murder. Considered a, a prime suspect of the case, ironically, in 98, he was killed in an unrelated shooting. Um, in 2011, former detective Greg Kading released a book. Yeah, see, I told you a book was out there. A book about Tupac's murder. Well, he I mean, claims, prior to that, I mean, witnesses stated that Anderson was carrying a gun that was the same type of weapon that killed Tupac. And he allegedly bragged about killing a rapper. So, uh, I don't know. Davis was apparently in the white Cadillac with Anderson. Uh, wait, he so this the detective guy. He claims that Anderson's uncle Dwayne Davis told him that Anderson had shot mm-hmm. and killed Tupac. Davis was apparently in the white Cadillac with An- Anderson when he was killed. Um, when Tupac was killed, Davis also told Kading that he and Anderson were hired by Sean Puffy Combs to kill Tupac. I don't buy that. Despite these new allegations, no one has been charged in Tupac's murder. Sadly, Tupac's parents, William and Afeni, have uh, since passed away. Yeah, I don't. You, I don't. You don't buy that Sean Combs? No, I don't. I don't buy that shit. I, I don't. I, I honestly think that. Um, I think well, I because mean, they mentioned some stuff where they were talking <laughs> about how, you know, with Sean Combs and with with Biggie, you know, that there were people. Well, actually, no, I was reading a comment, actually. I think it was on YouTube or whatever. Some guy was saying that, oh, I was in the circle and whatever, and they were talking about... Or, or there's other stuff where people are saying that there were people in prison that were talking about how, you know, Biggie and his men, they shot Tupac initially, you know, in 90... Was it 94? And... So, you know, that kind of that kind of tracks to me. I don't. I mean, at least someone involved with in the rap industry with the whole <clears throat> East Coast West Coast rivalry that it went over to the point where you know someone got killed or in this case multiple people. Um, because maybe you know that's why 
Biggie got shot is because it was people from the other side, you know, they're like, oh, you killed Tupac, then we're going to kill, you know, Biggie, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just at that time, um, you know, Puffy was already like successful and he had signed to uh, Biggie who had done well. Um, I, I just don't like what good would it have done him? I've hiring someone to take out a rival rapper. I mean, I I get the whole, like, it's almost like the mafia. It's like, you you fucking disrespect him. Now you're going to be sleeping with the fishes. Yeah. Like, I get that aspect of it. It's like a gangland sort of thing. But at the same time, though, it's like, you're not just some nobody. Like, you are well-known, a well-known rapper. Well, maybe because of that position that enables him to be able to get away with it. Well, the, more so the, than other people. The drummer for ACDC, Phil Rudd, I believe his name is, he actually hired someone in Australia to take someone out pretty... Re- it was like, it was, I think it was like 10 years ago or something. Yeah. Maybe Robin can chime in on this one, our, our uh, Australian listener, and let us uh-huh. know more about that. But uh, yeah, he, he apparently hired someone, and he, he he had been ACDC for like, what, fucking 50 years or something? So yeah. who knows? But uh, yeah, it's unfucking known to this day. Yeah, I don't think it ever will be. It was. It's crazy looking at some of the conspiracy theories some people have, like on YouTube. Well, the biggest the ones. The biggest one is that he 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 didn't actually get shot. Yeah, <laughs> they have this for every dead celebrity. Oh, he didn't actually get shot. Kurt Cobain is alive. Tupac's and... on an island somewhere. Yeah. That's all. That was always a big one. He's on know? an island somewhere with Elvis and Kurt uh-huh. Cobain. Yeah, they're all just <laughs> chilling. You know. <laughs> Even though, like, Elvis would be, like, 100 years old now if he was still alive. <laughs> Cobain would probably be, like, in his, like, six, like late 60s yeah. or mid-60s. Or they know. have something where it goes deep, man. I'm telling you, the stuff I know, like, it could be, like, a multi-part documentary series. You know, you got the West I, and the I, East Coast rappers and Biggie and Puffy. And, 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 then, and then you have politicians and then you have all this other stuff. And then aliens figure factor into it, man. You know, Area Fifty One. Tupac knew too much, man. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a big proponent of the whole like the most obvious answer is probably the correct answer. Like even the whole thing about like the more feasible, uh, but I but I still think is bullshit uh, theory that Courtney Love uh, had Kurt Cobain killed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe that. I think that Kurt yeah. Cobain was a drug addict, uh, a heroin. Uh, slave to heroin and he just was you know yeah i think he took his own his own life as well yeah um, i mean like being as big as he he, he never wanted to get that big yeah. you know and now all with all tupac these... I, I do i think he was shot it was a gang related yeah and it was probably that orlando anderson guy and it was probably a retaliation yep. you know so i mean I, I think that's all there is to it really um, the next case that, uh, Josh, uh, handpicked and found apparently is one that we both considered covering at one point and then forgot about it. Like other cases that we dig up. Does that footnote even need to be stated at this point? No, I mean, it doesn't. But kind of like every, every case now is like, well, we is were going to talk, we were going to talk about this one, but like, didn't I feel you. So the next case that uh, we have here is the case of Kay Hall. And so they have a photo here on the wiki of when they were happier. And yeah, they look like a happy couple, don't they? Yep, got those big, doofy, open-mouth smiles that I yeah. never I never understood. Yeah. Like, why people do that? Why do you have um, to open your mouth when you smile? I don't get it. I don't know. The, it, 
doesn't bother me too much, especially, you know, if they were in a good mood, like, who cares? Hey, open my big old mouth. Look, <laughs> look at my tongue. Maybe, maybe they were surprised. Maybe it was like a surprise photo. Uh, there's a possibility of that. Um, but on the night of September 30th, 1987, a pickup truck was discovered on the side of a Virginia back road. Its engine was running, the keys were in the ignition, and the transmission was in park. When the passerby got out of their vehicles, they discovered a woman under one of the tires. And this is from like the second season of the show. So you got prime unsolved mysteries, cinematography and direction. And, you know, it definitely has that creepy vibe to it. All that delicious cinema quality film grain. So she was its owner, 45 year old Kay Hall. She had been crushed to death. Authorities believe that her killer backed up over her body with the rear left tire. When the killer tried to stop the truck, it skidded, causing the front left tire to push her body into the awkward position that it was found in. Ouch! Yeah, they interviewed a cop, and he was talking about how he feels that she died, and he's like, oh, she was wrenched this way and then that way. He was talking about it so nonchalantly. He's like, yeah, you know, then... Then they slammed on the brakes on her body, which caused her torso to twist. And then he, yeah. you know, blah, blah. And yeah, you know, typical Monday for me. Yeah. But that's typical for a lot of these, you know, uh, investigators. There's like a, there's a bit of stand-up I saw on Facebook. Cause it's one of these reels. And honestly, on Facebook, I don't watch a lot of reels, but I like watching the stand-up reels. Cause you get like little snippets, little tastes. Without watching uh, the of, whole fucking yeah, of, special. Of stand-up. Uh, comedians without watching the whole special so then you could figure out whether or not you actually find it funny or you want to see more and so there's this one guy who was talking about how you know in these true crime shows you know have the investigator and he'll talk about you know a brutal murder you know like like it was nothing it, it was just yesterday's news or you know wasn't anything that intense or crazy and he was like, they, they, they're the ones that sound like the killer. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real. I mean, like, um, what's his face? The guy, um, uh, oh, Bill Hader. Bill Hader's yeah. imp- impersonation yeah, of Keith Morrison. Yeah, his impersonation of Keith Morrison. Yeah, it's great. That shit is so funny. He's like, you know, whatever Steve Buscemi's <laughs> character is like, uh, you know, Billy Cox went out last night and caught a case of murder. And there's like yeah. they're interviewing him and uh, Bill Hader. Like anytime, like Steve Buscemi will say, he's like, uh, yeah, I just like killing people. And, and, and Bill Hader's like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking because that's exactly how Keith Morrison talks. He's like, yeah, he seems like he's like, like just holding back, like delight, like yeah. hearing all these details. And he's, he's, he's just in total glee. He's like, uh, you know, like someone's, someone will, will like die tragically, and Keith Morrison will be like, "And that was pretty intense, wasn't it? Pretty shocking." And the guy's like, "Yeah, yeah, it was." And it's me. Me and Steph did a whole like we did a, a little. Uh, yeah, spoof I remember of, that. We did a spoof about that or whatever. Yeah. Where um, I was trying to like the the punchline was these these guys like. On, on Dateline, they always do these like stupid follow up statements, like like duh, you know, like these uh-huh. duh statements, like uh, so. When you found your uh, mom and dad bloody in the in the doorway, uh, it wouldn't be a stretch to say that that was pretty shocking, wouldn't you say? And the guy's like, "Yeah, it was really shocking. It was something you don't think you'll ever forget." 
And it's like, yes, duh, no shit. <laughs> like, why are you even asking that fucking question? I know you got to stretch this thing out to make, fill up forty five yeah. minutes, but good lord. But I still, I still love it though. Unsolved mysteries didn't usually do a lot of that with their questions that they asked people. Well, they, the they, they, the interviewer was always off camera yeah. and, and was nameless. Like, yeah. and they only but they showed, never, but they only, they never showed like you know answers to to questions like that well they, the they never they never showed the the interviewer was never they never had the interviewer asking the question on camera it was only yeah. the person's response yeah that they showed but that's what i'm saying like you never had like you you there weren't responses like that most of the time yeah which you know puts unsolved mysteries a, a, a slight notch above because it really gets on my nerves when they do that on dateline <laughs> they just ask these obviously stupid Almost to, it almost comes across as like mildly patronizing at some yeah. points. Like, like yeah, why would you even ask that question? Like, of course that uh-huh. this person was upset, and you know whatever. So when the killer just tried to stop the truck, it skidded, causing the front left tire to push her body into a into the awkward position that it was found in. And after their preliminary investigation, authorities suspected that Kay's husband Bob had murdered her. Uh, and Bob is actually interviewed for this segment, and. It's just one of those insane, crazy things that this guy had the balls to do this. When you find out, uh, Bob's just, Bob just over there, like uh, Bob's over there, like, come on, come on, I'm I'm the innocent guy. Uh, look at me, I'm on the fucking uh, television show here. What what kind of a maniac would go on a national television show if they were guilty? Come on. So they believe that he had a motive for wanting her dead. He stood to collect a part of fifty thousand dollars that she had inherited the same day that she died. That definitely does show you the difference in time because 50 grand nowadays, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's nice, but it's not going to get you a whole lot. It's, it's not going to change your life no. <laughs> that much. No. Yeah. But like, uh, that's why when you watch Unsolved Mysteries, because it's such an old show, any, any number they throw out, you pretty much have to double that by like two or three to get like the, today's money. Like the no. Lost, like Airs episodes, you know, those ones you're like, okay, yeah, that would be a shit. That, that would be a bun- life changing amount of money. Sometimes, sometimes the Airs, they're only getting like, you know, I don't know, like, yeah, anyway. Th- those ones are frustrating sometimes because you get an update, then it's like, oh, rich family just gets more money. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, it's it's usually <laughs> rich people who leave behind large inheritance, you know, yeah. large sums of money. So, yeah. I mean, it would make sense. As yeah, to, it's statistically the more The wealth just keeps, you know, s- stays in the family and keeps cycling, you know. So, uh, Bob also had no alibi for the time that she was killed. However, he insists that he is innocent and that the investigation is only focused on him. Uh, he agreed to be interviewed for the broadcast in the hopes that his innocence could be established. Come on, I'm the innocent guy. I'm on the show. I'm not. So, there's no way I could ever kill my wife. Kay and Bob lived and worked on the Karotomen Car- River near the Chesapeake Bay. Chesapeake. Chesapeake Bay. Karotomen. Karotomen, uh, okay. Uh, she was a successful insurance executive who left her career when they started an oyster farming business. Mm, that sounds fun. Did that really work out for them? Maybe that was a source of like uh, strain in their relationship. You know, she leaves her insurance job, which she was rather successful at, and then starts this oyster farming business, and it doesn't really do as well as they would ho- would have hoped. 
And so then it causes a lot of strain because they discussed strains and tensions in the marriage because six months after they started their oyster business, it began to run into financial dif- difficulties. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could have, I could have uh, said that was the case going in. I, I mean, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't quit a successful job and then try to do something that like that, like that. I mean, it just, I don't necessarily feel that's very smart. What do you think? Uh, I'm sorry. What were they? What they bought the oyster business and then it failed. And then what happened? Yeah. I was just talking about how don't necessarily quit a successful job to do something like the oyster farming business, oh, which is not it, really necessarily a sure thing. Oh, uh, like it was like, like a goal of theirs or something yeah. like, Oh, we want to always want to start. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's, you know, you only live once. And, and I think there's something to be said for yeah. chasing a dream, you know, but, especially if you don't have a, like a white, like or kids or, yeah. you know, responsibilities in, in that regard. And, and like, because I know people here locally who have bought a nightclub, like my boss bought yeah. a, a nightclub because he always wanted to own but a nightclub or, or opened a used video more, game store. That makes a little more financial sense to me. Like, it's just one of those things where they decided to start an oyster farming business. But I, I think that's a that's a little more difficult even then to uh, like Mike, make are an you, immediate profit. Do you keep yourself abreast of the oyster industry in Virginia? Do you? I don't I, think I, you I, do. I, I mean, think I'm you're just ignorant going, right I'm now. Just, I'm just I'm just basing things off of what happened. Where six months later it ran into financial difficulties. That, that in Virginia in the '90s, the oysters could have been just you jumping mean the out 80s? of the water. Whatever. <laughs> they could have just been jumping out of the fucking water, putting money into people's pockets, and you know, you got old uh, Bob over there going, "Hey, there's gold in them there oysters." And then there's always the chance that you'll find a pearl. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, very... uh, they were married in July of 1985. However, they had known each other for 12 years. They become closer when Bob was arrested for drug charges, which I find interesting. Dude, I look at this guy and I'm like, how? What? Who is going to buy drugs from him? He looks like an undercover cop. Yeah, he looks like a narc. Yeah. He does not look like someone who's hip to the uh, the streets there. But then again, did Tim Allen look like a drug dealer? Was he a dealer? Or I thought he was just a drug user. All right. No, he actually, I think he was busted with drugs. Well, you know, you, you age Tim back 30 years ago and give him long hair, and yeah, I could kind of see him selling drugs. Because there's, there's a mugshot of Tim Allen. A mustache. Oh yeah, the the mustache would definitely give him the uh, probably <laughs> does and sells drugs look. But this guy Bob, come on, he looks like a fucking angry grandpa. He looks like Walter Matthau. <laughs> it looks like uh, you know Walter Matthau and Dennis and Menace. Well, later on in this podcast, we'll find out if he looks guilty. Next exactly. on Dateline. <laughs> that that does sound like something that they would say before an ad ran. Oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah, six months after they started their boister business, they began to run in financial difficulties. This is see, this is what I'm talking about. It's like if you have a good little nest egg built up before you, you know, do something like that, that's one thing. But if you put everything that you have into, you know, this dream business 
and you don't have a lot of experience running your own business, it, I just I, I would just say like that's not really a good idea. There's a lot of um, people in it that that have made it in the music industry who or or the acting or comedy industry or whatever. And uh, they have given this same advice I'm about to tell you before. And, and I personally think it's very poor advice. Yeah. But it, it kind of uh, dovetails into what you're saying. They say, uh, don't have a backup plan. Because if you have a backup plan, then you're never going to truly pursue. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it is too. They I, got I've, lucky. Yeah, exactly. They got <laughs> fucking lucky. They got fucking lucky. I think it's very dumb. Not if you're pursuing any anything in the entertainment industry or whatever, like to not have a backup plan. Like I get I get what they're trying to say is like, oh well if you, you need to be committed, you, you know. Yeah, if you know that you can always fall back on your your fucking business degree, then you're not gonna put your all into the music or whatever. And that's not true. I mean fucking athletes get business degrees. They have backup plans in case their knee blows up and they can't play anymore. Well that makes so, more sense for an athlete because yeah. they know for a fact their body has a, sh- a shelf life. But yeah. I mean hell musicians you can be 80 years well, old. with actors still. there's kind of a shelf life nowadays too. Especially if you're you're a woman. Your age, <laughs> you get to a certain age and it's like nah we we don't necessarily I mean, want you in front of the screen at, as much. Look at people like fucking Clint Eastwood or yeah, yeah, that was back in the day. Look at nowadays. Like I'm talking about like current actors. Like a lot of it, like you age out quick. And nowadays they're just gonna de-age you anyway with CGI. So it's not like it really makes a whole lot of difference. That's just creepy. It is. It was like deep fakes and all that other stuff. Uh, so anyway, um, they started an oyster business. It failed. The, this contributed to tensions within their marriage. They both began to drink heavily. Kay had told her mother, Esther, that they were not happy together. According to friends, they often had fights over minor problems. One time she told her friend, Barbara, that she was being physically abused by Bob. And they showed a reenactment of what I think was supposed to be abuse. But... I still don't know whether or not there was any uh, like physical contact of any kind in the reenactment between uh, uh, Bob and, and Kay. Like they they get in a, a a little tiff, a little you know uh, argument, and then Bob like just like I don't know, like he just slaps the air really quickly at her. And, and then, then they added a slap sound in post production. They, did, they didn't add anything. He just makes he just he looks perturbed and then does something with his hands and then they cut to the next segment and I'm like what even happened? Like I, Mike, I was Mike just, wanted to see some good old fashioned domestic abuse, goddammit. No, I didn't want to see that. I just wanted to, it's just one of those things where it was distracting to me because it was supposed to be this whole thing where oh, it's an abusive relationship and I didn't buy it because the reenactment they didn't really show anything other than them getting in a very generic argument. I like how you're watching Unsolved Mysteries expecting the acting to be good. Well, sometimes it is. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it is. And so, and at least with these kind of things, with the actions of things, like you don't necessarily have to have like, you know, you know, really good acting from the 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 perspective of delivering a line. It was just it was just I thought it was just laughable. It was just like I'm trying to remember the, the uh, lightly. And then that was it. 
trying to remember the Jesse James Hollywood uh, episode when they when they abduct the brother. If uh-huh. if that was good acting or not, I'm trying to. It was either really good or really bad. My brain made a mental note of I, it. Though. I'm trying to remember that one too. I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure on that either. But yeah, if you if you're listening, and I know there's a few of you that are and still listen to this podcast, <laughs> that uh, sounded so sad. <laughs> But it's true. Let's be honest here at this point. We, we, we've peaked. We've peaked. But uh, go check that segment out. And, you know, the segment out with K, with, with K Hall. You can just search it on YouTube, Unsolved Mysteries K Hall. And then when you get to that that point, I think, I think you'll see what I mean. So she's talking about being physically abused by him. There's this whole bit where they're, t- where they're at, a, at a party and he tips a waiter a lot of money and apparently that set k off and they show the reenactment of that and i guess that was pretty uh i guess not necessarily soon but around the same time uh as uh she was eventually killed so uh they plan to go to marriage counseling because uh, k had also been seen with black eyes and bruises but their luck seemed to turn for the better when Kay received her inheritance on the same day that she was killed. That day she went to the post office and mailed papers that transferred half of the money into her bank account. That evening she and Bob went to a party at a local country club. This is this is what you know I was talking about earlier. The friends were there and she was the life of the party, but Bob got drunk. She got upset with the large tip, left without him. She then drove herself home in the pickup truck that would later kill her. And just a few minutes later, he was driven to the 14 miles home by some friends. At approximately 9.55 p.m., Kay was discovered by the passerby. One of the members checked for a pulse but could not find one. She was warm, however, so they believed that whatever happened to her had happened recently. Paramedics arrived within minutes, but it was too late. A little over two hours after leaving the party, she was pronounced dead. Authorities discovered that there was evidence of a scuffle inside her truck, suggesting that her killer fought with her to gain control of it. There appeared to be no evidence that it was a random act of violence. Kay's purse was found in the truck with nothing stolen from it. Also, there was no evidence of sexual assault. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's proof that it was not a random act of violence. Because we've seen this a lot in this show. Where you you, you see instances where the purse is found intact or the wallet's there. There's nothing stolen from it and there's no evidence of sexual assault. Somebody's just killed or strangled. And it was just, it was just a random act of violence. That was like what the I seventy killer. That was his deal, right? Yeah, he would just show up and shoot people and back the head and walk away. Uh, an autopsy determined that she was highly intoxicated at the time of her death. Oh, so it wasn't just Bob that drank heavily. It was also Kay. Yeah, I mean, you even you even read that. You said they yeah. both started drinking heavily. Yeah, they both drank started drinking heavily, but. I'm an alcoholic, so I pick up on yeah. things like that. Because I'm like, "Ooh, I can relate." So I, I, I was sure to remember that. <laughs> yeah. So she was highly intoxicated. This evidence, along with the financial and marital problems, led to Bob becoming the prime suspect in her death. And that, and you have Bob, who's interviewed, is like, "I don't know why the police only focused on me." It's like you're the prime suspect. That's why. <laughs> I mean, just think about it, Bob. Just think about it for a second. Well, I mean, when it comes to like these these kind of murders, uh, uh, like the husband is like, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm like, saying. It's like the only one, you know, usually that's that's responsible. So he's the prime suspect. 
Or it's somebody that, you know, one of them hires to yeah. do their dirty work for them, yeah. you know, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So they also felt he was a suspect because he had no alibi for the approximate one hour period between the time he was dropped off at home at 8.45 p.m. and the time that he placed a phone call from there at 9.47 p.m. During this time, Kay was killed. If he killed her, he only had a narrow window of time to do it. And so they had like, a, I think they had a investigator or a police officer and he was interviewed and he was talking about how you know i drove i drove the length of time and you know i i timed it and he could have done it and of course i liked how he said when i was driving in pursuit fashion i got there in 17 minutes i like how he called it pursuit fashion when i was hauling ass i got there and you know so shortly gonna, after, I, yeah, I'm just gonna say it to a cop next time I get pulled over. I wasn't speeding, officer. I was pursuing um, <laughs> my house. <laughs> I was in pursuit mode, officer. <laughs> pursuit mode of a uh, uh, of a uh, turkey sandwich. Yeah. Uh, shortly after 8 p.m., uh, Kay left the country club at 8:45 p.m. Bob was dropped off at home, almost 15 miles away. Just over an hour later, at approximately 9.55 p.m., Kay was discovered two miles away in the opposite direction of their home. Bob had just about an hour to drive more than 14 miles to the site where she was found, locate her in the darkness, kill her, and then drive back to make the phone call. And they tried to make it seem like that was kind of implausible, but then the investigator comes in and he's like, nah, you know, I I, I drove that route. It took me just 17 minutes uh, at a normal pace, at pursuit mode. 24 minutes at a leisurely pace. If Bob left his home at 8.45 p.m., he would have arrived at the murder scene at 9.05 p.m. In order to make his 9.47 phone call, he would have had to leave the murder scene at no later than 9.30 p.m. This would have given him no more than 25 minutes to track down a murder K. Um, I guess this tight timeline initially prevented authorities from arresting Bob and Kay's murder, but I probably think they didn't arrest him because they didn't have enough evidence. Because 20 minutes to track down someone in what seems like maybe a relatively small part of, of town and you know where everything is, you, you've known her for 12 years, you know where she likes to go, you know, her ins and outs, all that kind of stuff. So it's one of those things where you just be like, oh, there's my there's a pickup truck. Now I know that's Kay's. I, it's not like he's some random guy trying to find a random pickup truck that you know he doesn't really know or isn't that familiar with so the case was solved new information from viewers led authorities to arrest and indict bob for Kay's murder in january of 1990 uh one of the most damning pieces of evidence involved his friend william carter carter had shot his wife at their home and immediately drove to another house like jesus fucking christ <laughs> so this, this guy his friend also killed his wife like wow what are the odds of that right that's um that's not that's not really an activity that two friends normally do together no is that is that why they were friends though they both had these fantasies about shooting their wife killing their wives I mean if that was true then all guys would be friends that are married (laughs) you know what I'm saying fellas (laughs) Uh, bad 80s comedy right there yeah so Carter had shot his wife at their home and immediately drove to another house that they owned and made a phone call to establish an alibi. His wife survived, though, and was convicted. Uh, 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 and he was convicted of attempted murder. 
Authorities believe that Bob got the idea to kill Kay and return home and make the phone call from Carter's actions. The attempted murder took place just two months prior to her death. It was determined that Bob had approximately 20 minutes to find and kill Kay. It was believed that it would not have been too difficult for him to find her. Yeah, like I was saying. As she was found on a dead-end road not far from the country club, in the opposite direction from which they would normally drive home, he had also previously lived in the area and was familiar with it. Uh Uh-huh. Shortly after Kay's death, Bob was told that she had died in an accident. However, he was not told how she died. About an hour later, an investigator came to his home. He told the investigator that she had died after being run over by a truck at the time, and he should not have known this information. What a dumbass. They told him one thing, and he like didn't even think, like, oh, I should keep my story straight. Like, as soon as the investigator comes, he was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, she died after getting run over by a truck. Uh, he also made incriminating statements to investigators, virtually confessing to accidentally killing her. He he also said that he wanted to burn down his house for insurance money and make it look like an accident, just like this accident, referring to her death. (laughs) He's not very smart, now is he? Just a week before her death, she had also told a friend that he had read a mystery book and told her that he was going to create the perfect murder. (laughs) Bob! Oh my gosh. Bob! Come on, I was on the show. What <laughs> guilty man would shoot back over his wife and then come on national television? Uh, Regis Philbin, apparently. <laughs> but you got it. Who wants to play? Who wants to be a billionaire? So, yeah, I just that that is hilarious that she told a friend that he read a mystery book and he was going to create the perfect murder. Evidence in Kay's truck showed that a struggle had taken place there. Bruises were also found on her body that were determined to have been caused by human hands. Her injuries were also not consistent with the ones that would be expected if she had fallen and been run over accidentally. An engineer also testified that the truck's brakes were applied as she was being run over. Skid marks on the road and her body indicated that she had been run over at a high rate of speed. Yeah, since the br- brakes were applied, how? there's no way it was an accident. Like... It was definitely premeditated. So, in July of 1990, Bob was convicted of Kay's murder, and he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. In early 1992, though, he appealed his conviction and was given a second trial. A judge shortened his sentence to time served in exchange for his guilty plea to second-degree murder, and he was given 15 years probation, and he was released. Ain't that a bitch. God, 15 years probation, though, that's a, that's a long-ass time to... To have to report to your corrections officer and get randomly drug tested. and But second-degree murder? It, it seems like there's so much evidence that it was premeditated. It was like first degree. Yeah. He probably took some plea deal. Yeah. Well, son of a bitch. <laughs> I feel like the, uh, the the segment is like more entertaining. Like if you actually watch it, yeah. Than just then it just being kind of read, yeah. Out what happened, yeah. Because like it's act. I actually enjoyed the. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pre- it's a pretty decent segment. Although there are some entertainment stuff here, like the update stuff with like <laughs> reading a mystery book and be like, oh yeah, you know what I'm gonna do, Kay? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna create the perfect murder, and I'm gonna kill you later. Oh no, wait, no, no, no. I I'm just kidding. I'm going to run you over. No, no, it's... I'm just kidding, honey. 
So um, one of one of uh, unsolved mysteries mysteries has been solved here yeah. recently. Uh, Kayla Un- Unbahaun, I don't know how to say that, but uh, who, uh, she was abducted in 2017 by her non-custodial mother Heather. Has been found safe. A store owner in North Carolina recognized Kayla, who's now 15, from the roll call in Volume 3, Episode 9, Abducted by a Parent on Netflix. Heather was arrested over the weekend, and uh, Kayla is expected to return to her family in Illinois. We are grateful uh, to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Uh, I, Elgin Police Department, and our viewer detective for reuniting this family. I mean that's good. Good for unsolved mysteries. That, that almost justifies the um, existence of a, the revamp, or not revamp, but the new unsolved mysteries. Was but, that uh, was that something that was featured on the new unsolved mysteries, or was that just yeah, a case volume, that, that yeah, volume three, episode oh, nine? Okay, cool. We wouldn't know that because we haven't even been bothered to watch volume no. three except for the first like couple episodes because it was like. Okay, this is going to be just like the other two volumes, mm-hmm. and I think we were. I think both... we'll eventually circle back to it. Yeah, for, I don't know. For me, it just I watched it and I was like, dude, this is I, just going to be another I know, slog. But we'll we'll get to the point where it'd be, you know, we'll we'll circle back to it. That that's what I was saying. Like, I, <laughs> if we're going to reach five hundred episodes, we're going to have to circle back to that stuff. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to go uh, in our Facebook group I talked about earlier, um, which is if you go to Facebook and type in the search bar, uh, Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, and go to groups, uh, you'll be able to find this. Uh, only had a few in here because I posted like 10 minutes before we started recording. But uh, I said you can literally ask or say anything to us and we'll read it on the podcast. This one's from Morgan, one of our longest listeners up in Canada. She asked a lot of questions, actually. Uh, The majority of the questions are asked by Morgan, actually. Yeah, geez, where to start? She asks, burger or taco? For me, burger all day long. It depends. It depends on where the burger is from and where the taco is from. Not for me. I'm always going burger. Yeah? Um, If it's a nice, high-quality street taco... Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm all about that, but it just depends on, you know, where the taco is from. Like, I'm I've, if if I have the choice between like a burger from Carl's Jr. and a taco from Taco Bell, like I, I'll go with the burger. Oh, okay, it just depends. so it depends. Yeah, no, with me, with me, even even some of the more lousier burgers, I quite enjoy, and there are mm-hmm. some tacos that I do not enjoy. So, anyway, what? our next question: What is, tacos do you not enjoy? Um, there's this place you might have it out where you live. It's called Tijuana Flats. Um, no. I don't. I don't really like their tacos. I think they're mm-hmm. very overrated. Yeah. Um, there's a place called La Napolera over uh-huh. here. That, what do you uh, think about fish tacos? Uh, no, no, thank you. I don't okay. like. I don't like. Uh, okay. Seafood. Oh. As it is. You don't like seafood? Mm-hmm. Like you just don't like seafood? Period. Yeah. No. I guess you you can't stand something like sushi. I guess. No. Nope. Don't like the idea right. of it. Never gonna, never gonna try it. Oh, I might try it. I love sushi. Yeah, a no, lot of I people really do. Like seafood. A lot of, a lot of girls that I've come in contact with, like if, if it's like a date or like if we're gonna go eat somewhere, the first place I, they I always guess, say. I guess, I guess that's one thing that I have, you know, up my sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I like sushi. <laughs> oh my god, let's go eat sushi. Yeah. 
Anyway, then she goes on, beer or mixed drink, obviously Mike can't participate in this question. Uh, beer, for me, all day long. Um, mixed drinks, the problem with mixed drinks is they are expensive, and they... I've mixed- had a sangria before, and I think I've had, I think I had some of a margarita. So, like, I, I would probably say from my limited experience, because I have tried alcohol before, I would actually pick a mixed drink over beer. Oh yeah, I, Mike. I can tell you right now, dude. You you would you. I mean, you've had beer before, and you said you hated. It. If you, I mean, I, I don't think it would be impossible. I didn't to be, hate it. I was just I was just underwhelmed by it. Yeah, you know? I mean, you you really do have to acquire a taste for it. Yeah. Some people actually like it from the get go. I think they're lying, but some people <laughs> say they like it from the first. Because I've had, had a, a te- was it. Tecate, I've yeah, had that Tecate. before. A, you know, Bud Light. I think I had a, a bit of a lager one. What time. are you gay? <laughs> That's the new thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. But yeah, with mixed drinks, uh, there's more alcohol in them. That usually. whole that whole thing is hilarious to me. You know, the whole beer controversy with, uh, with I don't Bud Light get, and I don't Miller Light. I don't even want because now it's that. Miller Light too. Now it's like. Where where are you gonna pick? What beer are you gonna pick? I'm like Coors, and I'm like Coors is sponsor gay pride events too. So I I mean I don't know what where you're gonna go. They're not worried. I I wrote I wrote this whole <laughs> thing out to my cut. Co- my cousin works for Anheuser Busch, and yeah, I was kind of asking him mm-hmm. about his take on it or whatever, and and apparently it was just too loaded of a question for him to <laughs> answer me over the um, yeah. text yeah. or whatever. Uh-huh. But but I sent he's he's like what do you think about it? And I told him I said, "Well, Anheuser-Busch is a big corporation that makes billions of dollars annually. This is a move solely based on being trendy. Corporations always want to seem quote unquote woke as if they aren't just faceless uh corporations just trying to make money, which yeah. which they I, are." I think I think what happens when this sort of thing occurs is actually the opposite. It's when a corporation is starting to lose revenue that's when they become woke. It's not when they're running and just totally just going straight to the top. Well, this is let, of the pyramid. Let me finish and my thought. Cash. Let me finish my thing here because I, I, it's, it's the whole thing to me. I like. I think I summed up pretty well in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, make no mistake. The higher ups give no fucks about gender politics. This was focus grouped and analysts provided data. The old farts that get triggered by gender politics are dying and therefore they are of no use to Anheuser-Busch. They know if they want to sustain their business, they have to start appealing to the next generation of beer drinkers. If millennials and Gen X perceive Anheuser-Busch as a company with a social conscience, they will be more likely to consume their products, which will ensure the company's survival. The bottom line is, was, and always will be the dollar. It's woke capitalism. Anyone who thinks Anheuser-Busch gives a flying fuck about the LGBT, ABC, blah, 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 issues are ignorant. Just as ignorant as the people who are boycotting it now, it's a gimmick and people are dumb. Mm-hmm. Um... I think part of that is true because I, I read up on it. the The person that actually was behind the the campaign was was actually a relatively new uh, uh, person who was uh, given, you know, D- uh, Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, no, it was a position of power uh, in Anheuser Busch. It was actually a, a a woman. I forgot her name, but uh, it was her idea. And so, you know, it was controversial, you know, according to probably a lot of people, maybe a lot of analytics, and she decided to go for it, and it backfired badly. Like, they've been losing a lot of money because of this. 
But here's my thing. I don't think it's ever going to bankrupt them or Miller Lite or any of these other companies because of the fact that, yeah, they might lose a lot of revenue right now. But I don't think a move like this, no matter how controversial it is or how it's being perceived now, is ever going to completely bankrupt you know, an institution like Anheuser-Busch or Miller. Beer drinkers are very loyal to their beer, especially yeah. if they're like a habitual beer drinker. And they, you know, they'll cycle back to it. Well, eventually. either that or they'll just be like, they'll make a lot of noise and they'll be like, oh, I don't like all this gay stuff being shoved down my throat. G- guys, you just got a, a 12 pack that doesn't have the rainbow on it. I'll still buy it. I just don't want to, I mm-hmm. don't want my neighbors to see me with the rainbow stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like they, yeah. they're going to c- complain and whine, but w- w- you know, when they go to the store and no well, one's I mean, around, they're still, they're losing a lot right now. But like what I'm saying is I think it's temporary. Like it, it, it'll, <laughs> You know, they'll start making money again, you know, whatever, because it's just it's just how it is. Like, you know, yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, beer for me when I go (laughs) Um, Red Bull or Coke. Definitely Red Bull for me. I don't drink full flavored Coke. Yeah, I I will drink a Diet Coke, um, but uh, I do like energy drinks and I do drink Red Bull when I go like Coke Zero. Yes, but that's not that's not regular Coke though. And it wasn't there also like another flavored Coke that you were big on, and then they didn't. You yes, able to find it was it anymore. orange cream flavored Coke uh-huh. Zero, which was the tastiest yeah. fucking thing. But quite frankly, the strawberry they cream continued it. They just uh, as soon as COVID hit, they discontinued it, and they said it was because of aluminum can shortage, which was bullshit. Because when they started stocking back up on sodas, uh, just can. Uh, conspicuously, the orange cream flavor was gone, and it never returned. Yeah, that's kind of what I was hearing about Mellow Yellow too, and then it came back. So, but then Dr Pepper saved me, my soul oh. when they rolled out the strawberry cream. Yeah, zero I was going to ask Pepper. you about that one. It's delicious. It's the cool. fucking delicious. I love it. It's my right. new my new go to. Okay. Um, um, all right. For me, I would say uh, Red Bull. Like, I don't like Coke. Period. And I'm not oh, a huge like fan Coke. of Red Bull either. But I it I guess I'll go with the Red Bull because I don't mind an energy drink now and then. Yeah, I, I like Coke. I just it's just empty calories, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I uh, I hate drinking full flavored soda. Mm-hmm. I I can hear people right now. What about beer? Well, first of all, I drink McUltra, which is only ninety five calories per bottle, and I get a buzz from it. I do not get buzzed from drinking Coke. Uh-huh. I I just it tastes good in my mouth, and then I yeah. gain weight. All right, our next uh, question. Godfather or Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction. Uh, yeah. Now, if you said Godfather 2 or Pulp Fiction, that would be harder. That'd be more of a toss-up. It wouldn't, wouldn't be hard for me at all. Like, I, I don't mind the Godfather films. I'm not super big fans of them. I haven't seen all three of them in forever. So oh, I maybe, heard the third, the third one was just bad for yeah, me. Yeah, maybe. I'm Well, there are some good things. Like, that whole scene where it's like, just when I, th- just when I thought I was out, they... Pull me back in. Oh, that came you from know. the third one. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was wondering when, where that quote came from. Yeah, that's that's from that's from the <laughs> the uh, from Godfather Part Three. And uh, yeah, I'm not super big on the Godfather films, but I do have the 4K set, and I would like to actually give them another chance. I, I just, remember the first Godfather just being a slog to it get is. through. It is. To be perfectly honest, it is. Pulp Fiction, though, I saw that for the first time recently, I think like a year or so ago. Really? Cool. For the a, first a few, time? Yeah, a few months ago, yeah. See, I, I mean, I that's think the it, difference between me and you when it comes to movies. Like, 
I like all the indie house kind of artsy shit. Well, I mean, you I like, heard about like it. I, I've seen clips of it. I've seen parodies of it, but I never watched the the film all the way through. That's insane that you base your whole channel on movies and you've ne- you had never seen Pulp Fiction until recently. I mean, just is what it is. Often uh, cited as one of the more influential movies of the nineties. Yeah, and it was great. Crazy. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Pulp Fiction for sure. Um, I. Uh, I was at my friend's house when I was a teenager, and in, in the gimp scene in the yeah. uh, the pawn shop basement. Yeah, I just remember seeing that when I was a teenager. And I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so then she goes on. Okay, this we're probably going to be a little divided on this one. Yes, 90s, we are. '90s grunge or '80s metal? '90s grunge, a hundred and ten percent for me. I had a feeling that would be the case. Um, I do like nineties grunge, but I I I just I, Dude, you're eighties metal. Yeah, right. I am eighties metal. I have to pick that. Um there are some eighties metal bands though that really do suck that I'm not a fan of. Um but there's also nineties grunge bands that are pretty lame too, but it's just a different kind of lame. The lameness of ninety of of some nineties grunge bands are it's it's a lameness that comes from just being derivative and and being eighties metal does that too. Well, yeah, I know, but but like being too try hard to sound mm-hmm. like Nirvana or like Alice in Chains, but eighties yeah. metal like the bad metal is comical because just how um what like okay so like. In the 90s, if you're trying to be derivative of a grunge band, your look is very understated. It looks yeah. like you bought all your clothes at Hair Goodwill. Metal, that's the other. That's the other thing. And, Opposite and see, end of spectrum. Yeah. And, but here's the thing, Morgan. This is 80s metal, so it's not just hair metal. So that's kind of, you know, like if it was just hair metal, then I would pick 90s grunge. Because, like, I don't mind some hair metal. Like, I, I there are some hair metal bands that I do enjoy. Like I do not. I know some people consider certain bands that I'm a fan of just strictly hair metal, but I think that is completely, totally unfair because some of these other bands, they had albums that came out and they started getting hits long before hair metal was even necessarily a thing. So just all those, straight all up those, metal. Because like, like I'm 80s. thinking of, I'm thinking of like the Scorpions, and I know that they're not hair metal, they, but they dance right on that line though. They do, like the, but they're not a hair metal band. And like Dawkin, like I, you got to look at some of their their work that they did prior to hair metal even being a thing. Like hair metal is what I consider to be like you know poison, yeah, and that era, rat, yeah, rat. And I don't mind some of their songs, but a lot of, there's Quiet a good Riot. chunk of their there's a good chunk of their songs that are like Quiet Riot though. You got to give them the props in some ways because like they were like their album was like one of the first majorly successful metal albums. When it comes to like to go mainstream, to number one. no, success. they were the first. They were, they the, were first, the first. Yeah, uh, heavy metal band yeah. to hit number one. Yeah, Met, uh, Metal Health. Mm-hmm. Bang your head! <laughs> metal Health will drive you mad. Yeah, yeah. Where the singer sounded like a cartoon rat. <laughs> Out on the streets. That's where we'll meet. Wait, that's rat. <laughs> See, it all blends together to me, man. I, I would, I would say, you know, the yeah, the the rat. I would say that I think it's Kevin Dubrow. I think he's the one who's the lead singer of Quiet Riot. Like, I, I think he, I think he's a little better than a guy from Rat. Like, he's the one that sounds more like a cartoon rat to me. Funny enough, uh, Stephen Piercy, I think is uh, is is a better singer. Kevin Dubrow sounded like the cartoon rat. But all I know is when 
Smells Like Teen Spirit came out, it was like the the floodgate of newness yeah. just opened. Because and even just... Kiss tried to be hair metal at one point. Oh, Kiss tried to be hair metal. Kiss tried to be grunge. They're, yeah, because uh, the hair metal stuff with the the heaven was heavens on fire or yeah. something. Well, they did the whole unmasked period, and they were just total yeah. hair metal band at that point. With the you know, lick it up, lick <laughs> it up. Oh! I just remember the Iowa of the eighties bit where they talk about like the hype leading up to that. And, and from perspective of Kiss fans, where they're like, oh my god, they're going to take their makeup off, and then they take their makeup off, and then they show their reactions. To, they're, like, all, they, they're, all, they're all kind of a bunch of ugly yeah, Jewish like, boys. God, they're <laughs> ugly. Put the makeup back on. Yeah, like Paul Stanley was the only like semi-decent looking one, but Gene Simmons is an ugly bastard. And then the other two in the band at the time, they weren't even the... Uh, they, it wasn't Ace Freely and yeah, Peter Chris. It, yeah. was, it was fucking... Um, Oh, what's his nuts? The drummer, uh, yeah. It was like Eric. Uh, it's a car. Uh, not Eric. Yeah, yeah, it was Eric Carr and uh, Vinny Vincent. Yeah, which were like Vinny Vincent's vi- a pretty talented guitarist. No, I'll he's a really good that. guitar player, but he he was a, a he overplayed in Kiss. Yeah. Like yeah. he he was like Mister cocky eighties shredder <laughs> guy, and they didn't they didn't need that. They no. were looking for someone who had more like soul and heart yeah. kind of like how ace ace freely is not the best guitar player in the world no. but it's his fuck-ups and his imperfections mm-hmm. which make him so unique yeah uh, i mean this here's a guy who goes on stage and has all his thick ass rings on his his picking hand and his fretting hand and he's playing guitar and you literally sometimes hear the the rings kind of clank against the strings and shit and it's like, well, that's how Ace Freely plays. That's part mm-hmm. of his sound, you know. And 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 he's not the cleanest guitar player, and he can't he he can't even hang in the same ballpark yeah. as Eddie Van Halen. But he was perfect for Kiss. Yeah. That was like, um, uh, fucking um, a Pink Floyd. Nick mm-hmm. Mason from Pink Floyd is nobody will go on record of saying he was a good drummer. No one brings him up in the conversation when it comes to the epic greatness of Pink Floyd. But he was a good drummer for Pink Floyd because mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't overplay and he let the others shine and do yeah. what they needed to do. So you don't always have it's always like you got to know your 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 position in the team. Like what position are you playing? Are you the quarterback or are you the guy who holds the ball so the kicker can kick it? You know yeah. you got you got to know your yeah. role. And are you the, are you, the, you know the long snapper or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, man, we're getting some good topics out of these. Um, <laughs> She goes on to say, I'm bored and look forward to you both taking time to thoughtfully answer my deep questions. And and we did. Um, Kristen uh, says, talk about D.B. Cooper, one of the best quote-unquote legends ever. Uh, we, we've talked we, before the podcast. We had saw this in... Um, you know, we've talked about DB Cooper at. Length. We did a whole. We did a whole uh, uh, part of a podcast talking about DB Cooper. I don't know if we also talked about that documentary Netflix. I, I think we talked about an update of. Yeah, we've. You know, where somebody thought that they found DB Cooper. Um, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, they thought they found him. He was this yeah. old fart, like yeah. with a boat or something. Yeah, and like. He was being all coy, like yeah. it's almost like he 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 acted like he hated the uh, notoriety, but he yeah. like totally was. It was also like, like when we were talking, we also talked about the 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 update of the Zodiac Killer and how it was just some guy in a retirement home or whatever. So the next one comes from Robert. He messages me sometimes about um, like 
just updates to things or mm-hmm. my thoughts on unsolved yeah. mysteries, this or that and the other. Um, he asked, uh, who do you think wrote the Circleville letters? Well, uh, they thought it was the the husband of uh, one of the couples, and then he got jailed wrongfully because uh, I don't think he was the writer. Because yeah, once I he was in he was jail, either. he was in jail, and he was still getting letters from the author of the Circleville letters, being like, "Don't that's you one... get it? They're never going to catch me." Yeah, that's the one. That's one where I really don't know. I, I think that's just going to remain a mystery for like ever, like till the end of time. Yeah, I think there's not enough, like, public interest around that case for all the internet sleuths to, like... Well, I re- bet if somebody on Netflix does a documentary... Oh, on yeah, it, well, it that's all be... it's going to take. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it's going to... Oh, that's a shit. If someone did a Netflix doc on our podcast, we would blow the fuck up, you know? Just... <laughs> oh, they're on Netflix! Oh, no, it would just be exposing us. That's what it would be. Oh know, gee, yeah. I mean, I've done my best. Would splice some stuff, and I've done you know, my best try to, to cancel. Yeah, us I've done my, in the podcast. I, I've done my best to like edit out, you know, <laughs> bad shit throughout the years. But I'm sure I've missed stuff. Yeah, I'm sure you can find. And then finally, my stupid idiot bandmate, our formerly known as Stephanie. She's changed her name to Ari now. She's fucking Prince over here. Uh, the artist formerly known as Stephanie asks, can I have your stuff when you die? Now, see, the reason dumb girl is saying these things is because she has so very little because she's poor. And so that's why she's asking if she can have my things when I die, because she has nothing except for her, her two stupid animals. I actually like her animals. I like her animals more than I like her. <laughs> See, this is the kind of antagonistic stuff I guess you can get away with, right? Because, you know, you, you you know her. So, unfortunately, unfortunately, I otherwise, know her very well. Like, if you weren't that close, you know, that would be the kind of stuff it would be like. like I know, you'd go, uh, Slander. Be slander. Slanderous. Slanderous. <laughs> I'd like I'd like for that bitch to come at me with a lawsuit. <laughs> I'd be like, I own you. I own you, Ari. Do you understand me? You can't sue Uh-oh. me because because you are my possession. <laughs> yeah, I stand behind that one. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe she'll, I'll, I'll win some sympathy points for her. Um, from saying all that stuff people like oh i don't like how he said that let's go support their band not realizing that i'm also in the band (laughs) all right reverse psychology before we hit two hours and i have to do a bunch of magic trickery to even load sure a good chunk of this is going to be at the end anyway (laughs) well yeah but i'm saying like uh, the like our pod like my computer for some reason it cannot import or no fruity loops the editing program i use it cannot import an audio file if it's like over two hours and something that's weird i have to chop it up and it's a whole that's pain weird so anyway that's the end of the podcast uh i already promoted the facebook group we have a patreon go patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries for five dollars a month you can uh tell us what you want us to talk about for three bucks you can um uh, honestly, the three dollar and the one dollar is to just help me pay to keep this hosted every month um, to keep it on SoundCloud. Um, I was saying for a while that you get the podcast early, but I don't think I've delivered the podcast early like in the last. I don't know. It's been a while, so I'm not even going to say. I should probably just change it on Patreon because, like the the thing is, is that we do these so infrequently now. 
Now, like back when we did them weekly, I could I could put it out early because it was we'd pump it out. Mike would give me the audio. I'd edit it. I'd have it out on like Thursday or Friday and then everyone else would get it on Monday. And it was like that, like clockwork. But now we're doing them more sporadically. It's like as soon as I get the audio from Mike, I'm editing it and I'm putting it out because, it, I, you know, we're going weeks between podcasts now. So anyway, all that to say that it's basically a donation to help help take some financial stress off of me. So, you know, I take that money and I pay the monthly fee to SoundCloud to, you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, we also have YouTube channels if you... Um, if you if you like me and Mike, but maybe you want to like us separately, like maybe you like Mike's voice more than mine, and you want to see our faces as well, you can go to our YouTube channels. Mike is the movie guy, if uh, you didn't learn that from listening to this podcast. And uh, he covers mainly movie-related things. His YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. YouTube.com slash OCP communications. What was the last video you did, Mike? The last video I did is a, a review of a 70s uh, sports uh, film called North Dallas 40. It's a football movie uh, starring Nick What Lilty. would possess you to watch a movie like that? Because I like football. Uh, well, fair enough. I like yeah. football, and I had already seen it before, and I, I liked it, and I decided to watch it again because <clears throat> I've been doing that a little bit more with some of my the films that I'm choosing to review, like especially if it's been like a month since I watched it last. So... You know, I have a more clear view of what I want to say instead of something that's like hazy and sort of in the background. I think that it definitely leads to a better uh, uh, video. And so I did that again recently, actually, with another movie, uh, The Hunger, uh, which features David Bowie as one of one of the cast members. It's from the 80s. It's directed by Tony Scott. How long of a list is David Bowie's IMDb page? I thought it's he was in like long. I thought he was in like Labyrinth, but apparently he had a no, whole ass acting. No, he was career. in The Hungry. I mean, The Hungry. He was in The Hunger. Uh, he was really good in it, and he was in The Man Who Fell to Earth. I think that was one of his first big acting roles, and I watched that as well recently. Interesting. I movie. have seen uh, a new movie recently. Yeah, The Whale. I saw that too. Good movie. I've reviewed it on my channel if anyone wants to see my thoughts on it. I was so happy to see Brandon Fraser acting yes. again in something that was good. That was, And also, well, he's acted in other things that are good. Like, I mean, you know, just entertaining movies. Like, The Mummy is entertaining, so it was a sequel. I enjoy Encino Man. I can have fun with George of the Jungle. But he was good in other, like, serious, dramatic roles, like in School Ties, uh, a film that had... Uh, Matt Damon in it. And yeah, he was he was phenomenal in that. And he definitely deserved the Oscar to me for his role in The Whale. Like The Whale is just a it was a very taxing uh role for any actor. Oh yeah. Having to act in like all that prosthetic like mm-hmm. obesity yeah. stuff. He talked about how when he it was so authentic, like they actually went the extra mile with this suit where they used a new form of technology, like an app of some kind that digitally scanned his entire body and then mapped everything directly to his to his body type, to his skin. So 
it was an exact fit. And then on top of that, they also made it a point of emphasis to have a suit that moved and flowed and, and had weight that was as close as they could get to the real thing instead of, you know, the, the pillowy fat suits, uh-huh. you know, like, like, you know, the fat suits and like the nutty professor and stuff like that. Yeah. And Oh, it was dude, it was very realistic cuz my yes. I had a second cousin who was that big and mm-hmm. when he sat when anytime his character is sitting and all of the fat mm-hmm. is like resting in the gut area and mm-hmm. it's it, it's like almost like a, a sack, you know, cuz yeah. that's how fat naturally sits on an obese person cuz that's how my cousin, my second mm-hmm. cousin looked when he sat down and I just kept thinking to myself, man, they really like nailed this this like fat, yeah. you know, like affects like the the yeah. suit or whatever because yeah. like that's how my cousin actually looked you know and he, yeah. he he was morbidly obese he talked about brendan talked about when he would take the suit off he would have a sense of vertigo you know because oh, everything yeah. was just so like different and i think because brendan fraser is is an actor and a person who's just very empathetic i think that was the perfect casting choice to play that character because if you had a different actor and, you know, a different sort of uh, take on it, I don't think you would sympathize with the character as much as you do. Well, and it's like he was kind of this beloved figure in the in the 90s. And, mm-hmm. and like, you know, he kind of he kind of flew under the radar. And, and, and people, I think, the whole time were kind of like rooting for him, you know, yes. to make a comeback. Yes. Much like, say, like a Val Kilmer, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. The, I like that. One. I'm not exactly sure what it was about. Um, the whale. Um, yeah, the plot. I kind of got a little lost on. So, on that. what what did you get lost on about it? Because I thought it was pretty pretty simple, straightforward. It's you know, it's so about like he was he was a teacher and mm-hmm. he fell in love with one of his students. And uh, I don't know if it was one of his students. I think it was because I, I thought think it was he, somebody I, from the outside. But I thought I, the Asian lady was the mom of the son who died. No, it's the it's the sister. Oh, okay. Well, so anyway, he fell in love with a man, and he had a family, like a, a wife and a, yeah. a, a child, a daughter, and um, they obviously have left him, and now he's like living alone with the help of his uh, ex lover's care sister as a, mm-hmm. the caretaker. Mm-hmm. Um, his daughter finally makes an appearance, and she like hates his fucking guts, um, probably because she feels like super abandoned, and yeah probably angry at him that he let himself get that big um i think she's more angry at him for you know leaving her for this other man uh, you know leaving the family I yeah but that's it's, really it's, what it is what it what it stems from it's not unheard of though for people to for kids to get angry at their parents when they see them clearly like letting themselves well, go that too probably because that's how both. i was with my with my dad with his like opioid addiction mm-hmm. i'd be pissed off yeah at him. But anyway yeah um and and then uh like he goes to write a report for her spoiler alert everybody um to write a report for her and um he's like he gets chest pains and then he's like uh-huh. gonna have a heart attack and she's like he's like read or he's like uh i i read what he you didn't wrote. write he didn't write that here's 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 a spoiler and i'll explain it and i thought it was really poignant is the the seg- the there is a portion of this uh essay that he has people read to him to provide him some semblance of like inspiration because he's gonna die 
he's had like six days left to live or whatever. Like he's terminal. And so he has people read this segment about a whale. It's a mo it's a bit about Moby Dick. And the twist at the end is that you find out that that portion that's providing him with so much inspiration at this tough time and rough part of his life and at the end of his life was written by his daughter. Oh, that is poignant. I wish I had understood yeah. that in the moment. It probably yeah. doesn't help that I was like 10 drinks in both times I tried. <laughs> yeah. the, the first time I watched it, I didn't even remember how it ended. The uh-huh. second time I rewatched it just to remind, like remember yeah. how it even, because, you know, I was drunk. Yeah. Um, and, and and then like, so he gets up and then out of his wheelchair starts walking towards the daughter and then he just, do, doesn't he like ascend off the ground or something? For, he, I think that I think that's uh, I think that's that was his last day. Like his, it's like symbolism or yeah, symbolism. That's okay. what it is. It's like him taking because his daughter kept push, pushing him, like you know, take a step. You know, you can't even take a step. You can't even walk. You know, and that was him because there was there was a moment there where his daughter, sh- her her you know her rough exterior started to crack and she started to show compassion again for her father. She, by father. the way, was um, was in Stranger Things, um, yeah, and I, I thought she was really good in that yeah. character. And so that's what that is. It's him ascending, you know, after he took those steps to, you know, to try to connect with his daughter because that was uh, his whole thing that he was trying to fight for. You know, that whole scene where he blows up. You know, might as well be Brendan's Oscar reel. And it was like, I want to do one thing in my life, you know, that matters, you know, that whole thing. Uh-huh. That was because he wanted to to reconnect with his daughter. Very nice. And then I, I downloaded uh, with a VPN, of course. I shouldn't even be saying any of that. Uh, the binge watch, the binge eating scene, that was horrifying. And I know there's a lot of controversy associated with that for people, the binge eating scene. Because they thought it was just shock value, and I'm like, no, that that actually is something that some of these people do. Uh, you know, when they're dealing with a lot of trauma, because the reason why he got big is not necessarily because of the fact that he his whole family is broken up is because you know his lover killed himself, yeah, because of this religious, uh, uh, um, the, the, these issues with the religion and whatever because his because his lover i think was christian and there was this whole like persecution that was happening because of him being with another man and so that's what led him to uh killing himself and so charlie feels like you know he's somehow responsible or something along those lines and I know there's controversy about it. It was just stupid. Like, why didn't they cast a, 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 an overweight, like morbidly obese actor? It's fat phobic. Oh the way it was fat phobic. Because uh, a morbidly obese actor is morbidly obese. Therefore, <laughs> the amount of acting that they could probably do on any given day is probably way less than what you're going to get out of someone who's merely wearing a fat yeah. suit and is in yeah. healthy condition. Yeah, and there's no guarantee that morbidly a beast person is even going to finish the shoot. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure there are morbidly obese actors who get, like, these bit parts for doing very specific things, but, like, I don't know of a, like, a... a an established a, actor? An established no. big-name obese no. actor. No. no. I mean, anyway. So that's Mike's channel. Not the whale. Well, he did do a video about the whale. 
So that is actually Mike's channel. Um, my channel, because <laughs> I have to take a shit, um, is uh, youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. You, that, once again, it's youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. Uh, I am a music guy and, and, and commentary sometimes. I'll do commentary on uh, you know other content creators, and that's what my last video was about. I did a video about people who do videos on... James Rolfe, who does videos on stuff that other people made. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds like a whole thing, but anyway, there's this character, the Angry Video Game Nerd. People who watch my YouTube channel love the fucking videos I do about Angry Video Game Nerd. They're some of my highest, car- like in the m- recent past, because I definitely have higher viewed videos cumulatively, but in my recent past, they've been some of my highest gainers. And part of me is just like, shit, why don't I just lean into it and do a bunch of videos about that? But I just can't get myself to sell out like that. Um, But anyway, there's these two um, podcasters called Red Cow Arcade. And uh, they just do real, they they roast James Rolfe in just such a funny and entertaining and intellectual way. And I've become a fan of their podcast, and uh, so I did a video about them. Not knowing how the video would do, but it's actually performed really well for my channel. Mm. And uh, I think I'm like 500 subscribers away from hitting 10,000, so that's cool, I guess. Although I, I know nothing changes once you hit 10,000. It, yeah. it, just, it just looks nice when yeah. some unknown person stumbles on your channel and they see yeah. the 10,000 the 10, mark, like... That's when you start to look a little bit more serious in people's eyes. Like, oh wow, you know, you're not. I mean, you're yeah, you're still small, but like you. Yeah, you if have, you're talking to people who aren't on YouTube and don't do that or aren't as familiar with other YouTube channels and their massive followings, like yeah, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I have almost twenty thousand subscribers, and they're like, wow, that's cool, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, like if I told my aunt. At my aunts at Thanksgiving about my YouTube channel, and I told them like, "Yeah, I, I got ten thousand subscribers." Yeah, that's that's a number people can understand where they're like, "Wow!" Like back when I had like say seven thousand, it's kind of like, "Yeah, you know." That's, they yeah. like that. That the people like those nice round numbers. So, yeah. if you want to go over and add to that number, that would make me happy. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that's the podcast for this week. Uh, nice long one for you here, coming in at two hours. Um, my fucking program better accept this file. Anyway, until next time, have a good rest of your night. Bye. See ya.